You're listening to RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven, a podcast designed to help financial professionals remove the fear and anxiety around going independent. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of RAA Collective. I'm your host, Charlie Van Derven. I've got a guest today that I'm excited to tap into his knowledge because there's a lot of experience in financial services and he's kind of a buddy of mine. And it's a new perspective, right? We've interviewed some breakaway attorneys. We've interviewed some, you know, some head of uh, RIAs, advisors who had just made that transition. Today, my buddy Mark Ellswig is here to talk to us about recruiting in the industry, uh, specifically about the right placements, about what makes advisors successful and happy in their transition. And Mark brings a unique background with psychology and social work prior to joining the industry. So we're going to tap into how that helps him do his job in finding the right landing spots for advisors who are making the move. Mark Ellswig, welcome to RAA Collective, and thank you for being my guest today. Thank you, Charlie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and and, I'm and excited full, to be here. And in full disclosure, Mark and I have been working together for a couple of years at this point, right? Yes, Charlie's helped me dramatically expand my expand my LinkedIn contacts and uh, figure out how to use LinkedIn effectively. So it's uh, it's been a very good relationship. Thank, thanks for the plug, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Mark, you and I are kindred in more than one way. But one way I know is that we enjoy traveling in new places. So where, you know, just as a background, Mark, you and your wife, Nancy, you're cruising around the country working kind of, you know, wherever the, wherever the breeze may take you. Is that right? That's right. We've been uh, having a fantastic year. Like since February, we've been staying four to six weeks in different cities and working remotely. I'm lucky my wife can work remotely as well. Yeah. So, so far, let me think. We've been to Austin, Texas, Great. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Charleston, South Carolina. Denver. Uh, and right now I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Why'd you pick Pittsburgh so, in no, no Pittsburgh in November? You'd think that was like a July place you might want to go to. Well, frankly, we're just visiting friends. It's uh, not my ideal place to spend November. I'm more of a sun person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but luckily there are some great things to do here. And yesterday we saw a um, house designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Very and cool. it was uh, really quite beautiful. We have a couple of, uh, something called the incline and uh you know some art museums lined up for later in the week so uh, i think it should be uh it it should be really fun and and make sure you get that permit if i'm if i'm pronouncing it right Pramanti brothers sandwich all right well i'm going to remember yeah. that got to go check I'll that out che- so i'll have to check it out but but it's been a fun experience working remotely and i'm really yeah. uh, I'm really glad we're able to do it. So it's, isn't it? I mean, it's just such one one of the great benefits of all the technology we have to surround ourselves with now. And I, you know, we did it with COVID, right? Bought the travel trailer, hit the road for ten months, and now right. I'm I'm cruising a little bit. I was in Fort Lauderdale with my camper last week at uh at Joe Lucas Magellan Vision 2023. That was awesome. Um, yeah. I love it. You know, I'm working from home now, so it's I got to get out. Got to got to broaden things a little bit. No, it's it's fun. We're not we don't we're not drivers. We like to fly to a different city and then there just stay there for a while. But it's but the experience of being able to live in different places and to be able to stay there long enough to get a sense of kind of what it's about, yeah. what it would be like to live there is uh it's been really fun. I've met some really interesting people too. I'm I'm sure you have. Sure Pittsburgh's you awesome, man. Yeah. I love Pittsburgh. I was uh it's been a couple of years. Um 
And uh, I was I was there on, you know, a firm had brought me in to do some speaking and and some coaching. So they set me up mm-hmm. with like uh, Penguins tickets. And so I. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, that's it was pretty fun. good. It, it was that it should was have been good. fun. It was pretty good. So very cool, Mark. Well, listen, um, I want to dive in before we get into the recruiting piece of it. Right. I mean, you come out of a psychology and social work background. Um, so yes, I do. It's a little different than most of the people in the industry who are coming into this industry with a finance degree or, you know, some something. Uh, let's say on the on the I would say psychology and social work. I mean, the more the softer skill piece of things. Um, right. I I've got my guesses as to how that helps you today, but mm-hmm. how how did that how did that prepare you for a world in financial services? Well, it's actually kind of an accident. I mean, I really. Um... My father had an employment agency, and each of my siblings, you know, have recruiting firms. So I came from like a recruiting family, but I started out in social work. And the thing that I learned from social work is really how to help people make difficult decisions. That's what I found that I I really like doing, listening to what they really want, reviewing with them the pros and cons of different choices. And um I kind of didn't, I wasn't aware when I was a social worker that I would ultimately come back, you know, into the kind of business that my family does, but it's, uh, it's really helped me a lot. And I find again, helping people evaluate things and make difficult decisions is, it's really what I like doing in life. So I feel I'm in a good, it it was kind of a um, unpredictable path or a path I didn't foresee rather but um, it's kind of worked out very well for me in that sense. That's very cool. I think that those are yeah. those might be the best paths, right? The one the ones that are yeah. that happen by that happen by nature as opposed to being forced. I think that I think that's great. And I I grew up. My mom was a social worker. In fact, oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, and she got her, her she got her bachelor's in social work the same year I graduated from high school. So it was something that she went back to school for. Went and got her her master's degree. And let's say mm-hmm. her second career was social work. So. Oh, wow. something, oh, that's that's interesting. Kind of, yeah, something that's kind of near and dear. And um, right now, I, yeah. right now, I see why it especially why it resonates with you. But uh, but my background in that sense has really uh, has really helped me a lot. And also, as the industry has become a lot more complex than it was when I started, you know, 30 some odd years ago, they were basically wirehouses and regional firms. Right. And that was it. So now the opportunity set for advisors is a lot broader and a lot more varied. So I find that, that um, you know, many of the, the skills that I learned as a social worker have really fit in much better or fit in especially well because there's a complex landscape that I can help people evaluate. Well, then I love that, right? Because that that the as the complexity grows, so does the value for a person in your position and service to the industry. Like, Right. Exactly. So there are so many options nowadays. And I've been, you know, I've been in for a little over two decades, but same. I mean, so you and I have had this opportunity to watch advisors really that that migration to an independent landscape. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've been able to kind of you 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 closer to it than me, but we've been able to witness that really, really speed up in the last, you know, probably 10 years, you know. Been, right. It's it's really it's 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 reached a fever pitch for a number of reasons. Um, you wrote an article, Mark, uh, about why people are successful. Think Advisor article. How long ago was that? That was uh, that was just a couple of months ago, actually. Okay. That was a little okay. bit earlier this year. I was just thinking about a lot of the um, 
teams and advisors that I worked with what the characteristics were of people who had successful made successful moves and Very transitioned cool. their um, accounts properly. So in in the episodes we published of REA Collective and the advisors I get uh-huh. to talk with, I think I've got mm-hmm. I've narrowed down five reasons that people make that transition. That's a different mm-hmm. conversation. What is mm-hmm. it that helps somebody make that transition successfully? I would say the first the first and primary um, primary attribute that someone has to have, they have to have been able to set up their business so that clients see them as irreplaceable. Clients see them as kind of like you might think if you're watching a symphony, you're looking at the conductor of the orchestra and the firm is kind of analogous to the musicians in the um, orchestra pit. They're there, they're valuable, but they're kind of blurry and in the background. So those people who've been able to set up their business so that advisors, so that clients rather, recognize their value and reckon in terms of, you know, they're the ones setting up the customized financial plan. They're the ones setting up the um, particular investment program. Advisors who've been successful in doing that, those people are able to move their businesses successfully no matter what. Yeah. And that's, that's, so that's one very key great, attribute of someone analogy. who's moved successfully. And great. Yeah. Great analogy. And we key on a lot, making sure that you're protecting the personal brand. Even if you're representing a large brand, you right. are the brand. You're the, you're the individual that people are working with. So I think those go exactly. very much hand in, hand in hand. Exactly. And I did have an experience with um, thinking about one team a couple of years ago that I placed. And they went from one, you know, one wirehouse to another. When they went to the, the wirehouse they joined, two weeks after they joined, had like a terrible scandal that like they were like in the newspapers in a in a really negative way yeah. for a long time. This was their second week that they were there. And obviously wow. I felt terrible. However, they brought over all their accounts. And the reason they were able to transition their clients is because their clients recognized that they were the ones who were um, providing them with value. And they had very close relationships with their clients. Yeah. And I kind of contrast that to someone I knew who was, as a young advisor, the way he opened his accounts, he was calling from a different wirehouse and he would tell people, listen, these are the three reasons why I'm with the best firm in the business. And that's why you should open an account with me. Now, when that particular advisor made a move several years later, that was a that was a mess. He was kind of, I wouldn't say he was destroyed. That's too strong a word, but he yeah. did lose a lot of clients. And the reason he lost a lot of accounts is because he was subtly conditioning his clients and prospects to view him as a representative of the firm. Yeah. And you never want that because then you're replaceable. Yeah. So he learned from that experience, but it all comes back to basic positioning with clients. And that's something as an advisor, you have to do from the very beginning of your business. And you have to do every day in a subtle way of your working life. Make sure the clients understand that you're the porn person. You're the person who's helping them achieve their goals. And you're the person who's making it happen. So that's trait one. That's the most important thing. Cool. 
What if we've got an advisor, Mark, who's been at a firm for seven years? They're listening to listening to mm-hmm. our recording right now. Right. And they have not done an effective job, but they know they need a change. They know for whatever reason they need a different path in their career. What's your suggestion there? Is there an amount of time they should be working on that relationship? Um, any any thoughts behind that? If they've been touting the firm for a long time, how do they start to move away from that? Right. I think the first thing they should do prior to making a move is try to rebrand themselves. Try in a subtle, in a subtle way to make clients understand that, yeah, that of course you're with a good firm. If it wasn't a good firm, you wouldn't be there. Yeah. But but the firm offers a multiplicity of, of uh, choices, and they're the ones who are basically doing the customized financial planning, pick, you know, picking the investments. And um, I would say the first step is not to suddenly move, but to try to rebrand themselves, you know, even if it takes six months or a year, but stay in place, rebrand themselves where they are. And then once they feel confident in that, then, then they can start to explore their options. I, I completely agree. Six, 12, yeah. 18 months, whatever that is. Right. When you're ready to move, right. 12 and 18 months might feel like a long time. But right. if it's the difference between, between retaining 80% and 50% of your assets, I think it's worth that investment. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yes. T- tell us a little bit more about, uh, about traits of those advisors who have made that move successfully in the past. The second thing that they're able to do they're able to show the client why the move is in their best interest. And that comes out of the due diligence process, because that's a, another step that when you're considering, when an advisor is considering other firms, they need to spend a lot of time and they should never rush. They need to be very thorough, but they need to spend a lot of time scrutinizing the platform of a, of a prospective firm, seeing what's on the menu, what, what the cost of different products and services are, talking with advisors that have a um, similar style of business to them at that firm and kind of cross-referencing their conversations with product specialists. But so 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 the, the advisors who moved successfully didn't rush their due diligence and were very thorough. Um, but once you once you feel that this that you're choosing a, that you've chosen a firm that's going to be uh, better for your clients, then then you have kind of ammunition in terms of being able to get them excited. When you move, you can say that uh, you know that this that the firm that you've chosen that you're going to be able to have you know better lending, more private banking services, whatever whatever your interest is. But you have to show the client why it's going to be better for them and and why that was you know influential if not paramount. Um, in your choice. And sometimes it can even be things like having more investment freedom to service them better. I love that. So, yeah. So for example, there's one wirehouse where there's kind of relentless pressure to do securities-based lending. <laughs> that means so the branch manager, you know, the branch manager must have every advisor have at least two accounts that are signed up for securities-based loans. They don't have the clients don't have to use the credit line, but it has to be in place. Now, some advisors feel that, especially in a rising interest, an environment of rising interest rates, that that's detrimental to the client. So when I placed someone earlier this year, 
out of that wirehouse, he was just, he was able to tell them very truthfully, there's nothing wrong with that firm, but you know, I've been under I've been under relentless pressure to offer you these, you know, offer you these uh, lending services. I don't think, you know, whether whether they're appropriate or not, I don't think that's something I want to do. And I needed to be in a place that was more laissez-faire. So I would be more comfortable and have more freedom as your advisor to service you better. So in and that's and and that really was what was uh, motivating him. So that's the second thing. You have to show clients why your move was better for them. Yeah, I, I love that. And you know, I've yeah. so I've I've watched advisors make that move and mm-hmm. some of them coaching clients. And so we've got to work on the messaging. The messaging always comes back to their responsibility to the client. Right. And always. I'm glad right. I'm glad you're doing that because I always do that too. Anyone I work with before they move, we always have a conversation about how they're going to sell that to their clients, yeah, right. how they're going to position it. And that's a very, uh, that's a very important, uh, that's a very important thing. Yeah. So that's, lean, that's a very important thing. Lean on that fiduciary responsibility and that messaging by all means. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Any, so that's a big else? motivator. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say yeah. the other thing is that people who've moved successfully are always not the due diligence I, I alluded to earlier. That's of course really important to enable you to make, enable an advisor to make the right choice. But the other thing is they're thorough. They're thorough in other ways. So for example, if an advisor is making a move, you know, it's a very different move if you're coming from a protocol versus a non-protocol firm. And you need to have, you know, advisors who move successfully, they've always had conversations with the legal department. They know exactly what they can do and what they can't do. And they've always had in-depth, several in-depth conversations, if not meetings, with people on the transition team. So they know exactly what the mechanics of the transition is. So that's, that's a very important thing as well. So being thorough in that, in that way is uh, being thorough is, and, and they also know, especially you want to always play by the rules. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a basic thing that you can't, discuss your move in advance with any clients and you can't take any information that a firm would consider to be uh, non-public proprietary information. So it's very important that, that you um, that an advisor stay within the guidelines. That's another basic ingredient of a successful move. For sure. For sure. And we've got, of course, Mark, I think maybe we're doing interview 20 or 21 right now of RIA Collective. 12 or 13 are published, so we got some in the bank. Right. One, right. really, one really great resource, and I'd love to connect the two of you if uh, if you don't uh-huh. already know him, is uh, Corey Kupfer. Um, you know something? I'd, I'd love to be connected with him because I, I did have a conversation with him once. I'm okay. about to listen to the podcast. It's awesome. in my yeah. uh, yeah. It's in my queue. But yes, I would love to chat with him. Yeah. Because someone like that, could be very helpful and and it's very important for even if you're even if an advisor is moving from a a protocol firm which is a lot easier it means you really just have to adhere to some basic rules right and you won't have a a legal issue it's still helpful to have your own attorney just to answer some of some other questions so 
someone like Corey, I'm sure, could be very helpful. Corey's great. And of course, he's offered to be a resource to any of the listeners of the podcast. So if you okay. haven't listened to the Corey Cup for Mark for you, but all, all of our listeners also, right. if you haven't listened to it, he's a great dude too. I mean, he's really he's 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 not only trying to move himself and the advisors he represents forward, he's trying to move the planet forward with a lot of his actions. So well, that's nice. He's, yeah, he's a really good guy. So by all means. And any other interviews, you know, that look interesting, of course, everybody, I think everybody to this point has said, sure, I'll be a resource. So lots of, uh, lots of people to chat with and in, in being thorough before you make decisions. So. Absolutely. And of course, I'd be happy to be a resource to any of your listeners as well, who have any questions about the mechanics of either choosing a firm or, or making a move. I'm sure I could help people with with those kind of questions. Yeah, and before we wrap, I'll get all your contact information on the recording sure. so that they know where. Thank to go you, Charlie. To. Yeah, of Thank course, you. Mark. And, and and listen, I love that you're willing to do that, right? Because it's oh, it's, sure. a sca- it's a scary move, um, you know. And a lot of a lot of times, those captive those captive environments, they want to scare you into, you know. Right. I, I had a conversation this morning, Mark. I mean, literally, we're we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving right now. So it'll be, mm-hmm. you know, but the first of the year before it publishes. But mm-hmm. um, I had a conversation this morning with a group of advisors, team of two, that mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're at a they're at a warehouse and they're really examining what their future looks like. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we had to we had to, we had to almost have to talk in, in code talk. Because our mm-hmm. conversation is at their office, right? Right, um, right. It is. It is. Um, it, it's. It's amazing. The just by listening here and tapping into the resources that are available from this mm-hmm. podcast, and of course, there's lots of others. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they listen to me because you know I've been a coach of theirs for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 amount of resources that we're making available for advisors making that move to independence mark thank you for being on that mm-hmm. list it's mm-hmm. having an, it's having an impact i feel i feel awesome That's about sure. it right so very cool anything else on that list of the uh the advisors that you've seen make that move successfully well yes the last thing i would say is that the the advisors who move successfully accept imperfection and what i mean by that is oh, yeah, no that. move will be flawless there's a lot of moving parts. There are always one or two things <laughs> that just aren't going to go 100% right. And you have to accept that. And the ones who are the most successful are able just to kind of just like let it roll off their back. They just realized that they had an objective in mind. Mm-hmm. They, they, were ha- they were overall, the move was successful in helping them achieve their objectives. And if a couple of things weren't 100%, that was okay. So I think that's another, I think that was the, another trait of uh, people who've had successful moves. You know, much like hiring, and we've done a lot of that over the years, much like hiring, the day you interview that person is the best they're going to be. They are on, they are the best, you know, now you can increase knowledge and all everything else, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. as far as who they are, that's the best representation you're ever going to get. The same, I would believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. when an advisor sits down with a, with a prospective firm and meets with that team that would help them transition as they're kicking tires and, and trying to make their decisions, mm-hmm. um, that's probably the, that's that's in large part the best they're going to get from that firm, the firm putting their best foot forward in hopes to attract. Now, my point in all this, Mark, mm-hmm. 
I don't know if I know a single transition that someone said, I got everything that they told me I was going to get. Now I know that, you know, they told me I'd get this one thing and it was a variant of that, you know, so sometimes the picture that is painted by the firm isn't exactly the situation that an advisor lands in. Right. I think that's true, but I think the way to, um, I think the way to to ameliorate that is you want to get key terms of your deal in writing. You know, you may want to show, you may want to show them to an attorney and as much as possible, you want to uh, cross check a lot of your impressions with advisors who are currently working at that firm. And those advisors don't need to be in the branch or the location that you're contemplating going to. Like if you do, you know, bond business, they could be in another state. Sure. But you want to have like a nitty gritty conversation with them and you about doing bond business. And you also want to test drive their computers and their workstations sure. to see exactly how you do it. But I agree. Sometimes I, I think people, um, I luckily haven't had problems with people with firms intentionally misrepre- you know, in misrepresenting things. But I just mean that in the transition itself, they, they, you know, sometimes they're like paperwork or clerical things gotcha. that just go awry. And that's just, gotcha. you know, that's just part of, that's just life. As, as I, Often say utopia in Greek means no place. Oh, I, I was no, I was nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. And too. I think that's a very. I I found that a very helpful model motto yeah. over the years. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say that like they're like people are duping people into making a decision. Right. That certainly isn't right. it. But as as right. they as they lay out the roadmap of transition, they're laying out here's the ideal roadmap of transition. Ideal is likely not going to happen. So you've got right. to, to your point, you've right. got to be flexible and be able to roll with the punches to some degree. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. That's what I found. Mark, I found a I found a great uh, uh, you know a white paper, if you will, downloadable piece that that you had put together at one point, and maybe mm-hmm. I should have asked about that before I asked about the article. Um, <laughs> but happyfinancialadvisors.com, which actually is a great domain name. Dang man, thank you. Thank how does, you. How, how does someone get happyfinancialadvisors.com? What a great domain name! The fun we could have with that. It um, is. So you uh, uh, you wrote a white paper that's all about uh, the path to success and happiness. And mm-hmm. one of the things that stood out for me there is that there's key reasons that advisors are not happy. Um, and again, right. maybe I should have brought this up before the article. Maybe we sort of set the stage mm-hmm. with the unhappy before we went to the mm-hmm. successful. But so, you know, maybe maybe we can flip it and re, you know we can reverse it in post production. We're not really going to do that. But uh, <laughs> Mark, what 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 makes a person move? Why is someone unhappy that they're looking at that transition? Well, I think um, in terms, well, usually, well, people typically move to resolve a problem. There's usually something going. There's something going kind of wrong and they move to resolve the problem but in terms of happiness i mean what i did with that white paper which was fun i like to i like to read about uh psychology anyway so i took uh i read like a couple of books in a, in a field of psychology called positive psychology which is really about how people it's not about um rectifying character or personality flaws it's really about how regular people can function at an optimal level and be happier. And one thing that works against people's happiness is a sense of control. If you feel, now if you're at a big firm 
and every year they change their payout, you know, because they feel like it, that that's detrimental to someone's sense of control and someone's happiness. And that even some things like that are a very big motivator for people to go independent. So to whatever extent you can um, control your environment in the sense of making being a decision maker in terms of what your financial and investment program is, which kind of clients you have, that how you're going to organize your team, having a sense of control and a sense of purpose. Those are two things that are very um, happiness enhancing activities. The third thing, which comes out of something called flow, which is like a, that was a really interesting notion. Flow means like what you're doing is you are taking a task that's slightly, that's kind of a little beyond you. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. And you're, you're throwing yourself into it with total focus. You don't have one eyeball on your email because if you do that, you'll never get into that flow state. But once you work, once you work as hard as you can with, with great focus, it produces a tremendous sense of happiness. You lose sense of your sense of time, your sense of self, your sense of everything. And if you can, if you can do things to constantly challenge yourself, meaning it could be learning more about, uh, about being an advisor, about investments, about behavioral psychology as it applies, as you can uh, apply it to investors. In whatever way, you can kind of like, it can be a prospecting program that you undertake. And when you're pushing your limits and you're focused on getting better and increasing your sense of mastery and competence, that's a happiness producing activity. So the guy who came up with the concept he basically says, you know, sitting on a beach, having a cocktail, that might be okay for a bit, but it's really a formula for boredom. That's not happiness. Yeah. Happiness is challenging yourself and, and engaging in activities that give us a, an increasing sense, an enhanced sense of mastery. And I found that a, uh, I found that an amazing insight. So he's saying, don't sit and watch a concert all the time, learn to play an instrument, get better and better, get a little better every day. That's what's going to make you happy. And it's, and it's, you know, it's kind of, it's right in front of us and it's available to everyone. So it's a very, I found that a very um, interesting and empowering notion, but I think it's one that advisors can apply to their business. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so much to learn. There's so many, there's so many options in the industry. And I think, you know, to our point, mm-hmm. as we began the conversation is you and I've had a mm-hmm. chance to watch this now for two, two or three decades. And, right. and that transition to independence is just speeding up. It's like, speeding up dramatically, dramatically. I did a presentation on Friday. And so I learned, you know, I did a little research. I learned there's 612,000 registered reps in the country. That's FINRA's number mm-hmm. in, tw- mm-hmm. in 2021. You know that number, and, and some of it by retirement, of course. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. that number continues to decrease every single year. Mark, and the right. number of SEC registered IARs is increasing dramatically to the point where I think we've got sixty five thousand in the country now. So, right. That's and and one one reason for that is well, I think there are a couple of reasons. One reason is once you're independent, you have much more of a sense of control. Yeah, I mean, uh, of your life. I mean, I myself, if I decide I want to spend a little more time in the pool in the morning, I can come, I can come in a half an hour later 
since I don't have a, a boss to bother me about it. And I think even small things like that can add to our sense of happiness. But the, the other reason, though, is I think that, um, well, the RIA model is appealing because it's it's kind of fiduciary oriented. And more and more advisors want to feel, most advisors, I would say, want to feel that they have a fiduciary mindset when they when they approach uh, and uh, deal with clients. But also the mechanics of independence have changed so that right now I, it's easier and more lucrative to go independent than it ever was. Yeah, no so, doubt. No doubt. It's so, and that's in terms of the kinds of resources there that, that are available, the kinds of recruiting deals you can get. There are a lot of off the beaten path monetization opportunities. So it's so instead of in the beginning, with the where I'm sure you remember, Charlie, the people that went independent were those people who were being browbeaten and pushed out of the wirehouses. Yeah. They were the lower producers. The people who are going independent now are some of the best people in the business. Yeah. I, I they're like the top, they're the absolute top performers. And there's a whole cadre now of new emerging independent, like of these turnkey RIAs that cater to just those kinds of high-end people. So I think the movement to independence, I can feel in the last year that it's accelerated. And I think that's where things are going. I think so too, and we, uh, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, I really, I really, truly believe that in order to be a true fiduciary, and that there's a lot of weight with that word, and I think it's thrown around mm-hmm. a lot. But mm-hmm. you know, if you if you can take the bias out of a relationship like an RIA, so straight fee based, and you know, I think that that's the that's the best place for someone who wants to represent that word in you know with true integrity. So yeah, I think that's a very it's a very appealing model for many people. Mark, many people. you're a you're you're uh, you're a great guy, and I I appreciate our friendship, and you know you working with our team at Social Advisors, and um, our our ability to get to know each other over the last couple of years. If anybody wants to tap into your knowledge and experience in the industry, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, they can either just uh, go onto my LinkedIn profile or uh, email me on you know via my website, or my phone number is right there. Whatever whatever is good for them, but I'm really you know, I love talking with people. I, I guess that's why I'm in this business. Yeah, and um, yeah. I'd be delighted if uh, if people would like to reach out for me, to me rather, uh, just for information. I'd be yeah. delighted to chat and be as helpful as I can. And of course, I've got happyfinancialadvisors.com, but is it is Mark MarkElswig.com correct? Oh, it's really just Elswig at Elswig. So it's okay. uh, not a tough one, but E L Z W E I G at Elswig at Elswig. Well, Elswig at is my email. My website is just Elswig. Elswig.com. Okay. I was yes. I was putting your first name yes. in there too. Mark Elswig, thank you so much for being my guest on RAA Collective today. And thank, thank you, you for taking time out of your day for listening to another episode of RAA Collective. Of course, we don't have huge backing. So if this is a, if this is good for you and you know somebody who would benefit from Mark's knowledge, uh, please by all means pass it on to them. And make sure you subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform and come back and check in often because we're pushing out new episodes every week. Mark Ellswig, thank you That's so great. much. Great, great. Thank you, great Charlie. To see you. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you yeah. so much. Love thank having you. you. Thanks for being here. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. You've just listened to another episode of RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven. 
For more information, visit riacollective.com. Now, have a great day.